0: This is Positive Parenting. Parenting expertise and advice from best-selling parenting author and national newspaper columnist, Mr. Dad, Armin Brat. Hello and welcome to Positive Parenting.
1: I'm Armin Brat, the founder of MrDad.com. Nearly 35% ...of everyday Americans suffer from metabolic syndrome. That's a condition that makes their bodies store the food they eat as fat rather than burn it for energy. Yet, surprisingly, most people have never heard of the condition and have accepted the blame for their inability to lose weight. A recent study from the Weitzman Institute of Science grabbed headlines a while ago internationally... ...when it concluded, among a lot of other things, that health professionals are far too eager to blame people for their inability to lose weight and have more likely than not, they've been giving people the wrong advice. In this part of today's show, we're going to be talking with an expert on metabolic syndrome, and he's come to the conclusion that metabolic syndrome is actually the hidden driver of America's body weight epidemic. We're going to be asking and answering a very important question. Why do certain foods help the body lose weight while others cause the body to store fat? And we're going to talk about whether the habits you've developed over a lifetime may be actually causing your body to store fat rather than burn it. You know, so much of what we've been taught over the years about fitness and weight loss is patently false. For example, that you have to eliminate all fat from your diet or that you should load up on carbs before a workout. These practices may actually be sabotaging your success. In this part of today's show, we're going to be exposing the myths that have prevented you and your family from achieving your weight and fitness goals, and we're going to revolutionize the way you think about your body, your health, and your outlook on life. It all starts when Positive Parenting continues right after this.
0: Excuse me, do you know how to get to Maine and Maple?
1: Do you have these in a seven
2: and a half?
0: How's that cooked? Can I get that shipped overnight? Is there a direct flight? How long does the warranty last? What's your soup of the day? How do you change the ringtone? Does it come in blue? Does this bus stop at Elm Street? We ask questions everywhere in life. Is it raining out? Uh, What time's the meeting? How much does this cost? Does it have four-wheel drive? Have we met
1: before? What's my
2: account balance?
0: Yet somehow, when we get to the doctor's office... Any questions?
2: Um, no.
0: We clam up. Ask questions.
2: What is this test for?
0: Are there any side effects?
2: When do I get my results?
0: Questions lead to better health care. Go
2: to AHRQ.gov for a list of 10 questions everyone should know. Questions are the answer. Public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council.
1: Welcome back to Positive Parenting. I'm Armin Bratt, and my guest for this part of today's show is Mike Berland, who is the author of Become a Fat-Burning Machine, the 12-Week Diet. Lose the Belly, End Sugar Cravings, and Gain Energy. Mike, thanks for joining us.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: You know, we don't do a lot on, on weight loss here, but because of the, you know, what I, I'm just really tired of the phrase, but the epidemic of obesity and and that kind of thing, uh, it's something that we really do need to talk about as a, as a parenting issue, not only as some you know, a way to set example for your kids and to change your own life, but also to help them to make sure that they manage whatever issues are going on with food with them. And you focus on something called metabolic syndrome. Why don't you talk about what that is?
2: Metabolic syndrome is, is a phenomenon where um, our body simply cannot use the food uh, that we eat for energy and stores it as fat. And you can, you can, you can understand when you have uh, metabolic syndrome because it means you're insulin resistant. So instead of using the, um, the food... Uh, to sort of just help you get through the day and give you the energy, your body just starts to store it around this, around your middle. And I would have had metabolic syndrome for my whole life. And one out of three Americans have it. And it's typically you can see it with uh, elevated glucose uh, levels. I mean, your blood sugar is too high. Right. Uh, you can see it with higher cholesterol levels. And you can. And um, what's fascinating is. It, it's a precursor to type 2 diabetes, and um, the, so many of our, uh, of our kids uh, actually have it early in life. Right.
1: I was just going to ask about that because it's, you talk about it as if it's a separate thing from diabetes. Is it?
2: it, it it's, a, it's a precursor uh, to diabetes. And um, what, what's really happened in this um, society that we live in where there's so much uh, sugar and there's so much carbohydrates in everything that we eat, um, our, uh, our body just cannot, um, cannot use it. And it, uh, typically uh, metabolic syndrome leads right into diabetes. And you, um, it's actually the most curable at a young age, eating, getting our kids to eat um, a low-carb mm-hmm. diet, uh, high-protein, uh, leafy vegetables, good fats, can actually set them on for a lifetime of of weight management versus the opposite of what we're seeing, which is our kids are getting heavier. I, I was a heavy kid, by the way. I was um, I was probably um, I was probably thirty to forty pounds to the point that um, if you look in the in, in my book, my parents actually locked with chains. The, uh, the
1: cabinets in the kitchen that's not my comedian. <laughs> is, my mother was horrified ask about when that. I
2: put that in the book, but I said, Mom, you did it. And she said, look, it's the best we knew what to do at the time.
1: Where has this epidemic of obesity come from? Why are kids eating so much? Because it's not just the fat in the sodas. It's got to be no. more than that. I mean, there's, there's something else going on. It's quantity as well as crap.
2: Well, let's let, let's. The book is called Fat Burning Machine for a reason, because there are, there are foods that are designed to store fat, and there are foods that are designed uh, to burn fat. So there's, there's, and and so that's the most basic lesson. And if you look at the um, if you look at our diet, we tend to eat more uh, fat storing foods, and so fat storing foods are the carbohydrates. You know the pastas, um, uh, the bread. Uh, the sugars and those are and our bodies actually um, store those as fat versus the fat burning food, which are the proteins, you know, the the chicken and the fish, um, and the vegetables. And so, what I? The premise of the book is that you've got to turn your fat burning machine on, and there literally is a switch in your body that puts you into fat burning mode, and that's what I wanted because I'm not a doctor or a trainer. Um, or a nutritionist. I'm, I, I do research and analytics. Uh, um, and so I took the same principles that I use at, in my day life, and I talked to doctors, nutritionists, and trainers, and each of them gave me a piece of the puzzle. The doctor told me about metabolic syndrome, you know, where your body is designed to store fat rather than burn fat. The nutritionist told me about the foods that I was going to eat, but it wasn't until I got to the trainer, who is my co-author, Gail Bernhardt, where she taught me about exercise, and how to do um, miracle intervals, which would actually put my um, body into fat-burning mode. And I combined those three elements right. and got to the fat-burning machine.
1: All right. So as coming into this with the perspective of a regular guy, basically, yeah. is what you're saying. Total regular guy. <clears throat> right. So you're, you're a regular guy, and I am you know, consider myself to be a regular guy also. When I hear things like miracle or fat-burning machine or that sort of stuff, my initial reaction is, "Oh boy, they're trying to sell me something," or "This is just another fad." How did did you have that reaction? And if you did, how did you get past it?
2: Well, I mean, first of all, i I went into it having tried every diet because I was gaining one to two pounds every year. Like I wasn't. So in my twenties, you gain one to two pounds. I was ten pounds overweight. When I got to my 30s, all of a sudden I was 20, 30 pounds overweight. But but when I got to my 40s and I reached 50 pounds overweight, I was like, that's enough. And my doctor wanted to put me on meds. And so I was like, I am 42 years old. I am too young to go on cholesterol medicine. And, And so it sort of put me down this path to take those research and analytics skills and to find the solution. So I wasn't looking to write a book. I didn't invent any of this stuff. But I pulled all the information together. Like a good researcher, I took the information from the doctor, the nutritionist, and the trainer, and I put it together. And I wanted people to understand the concept. And being the good marketing guy I am, I understood that um, we all aspire to be fat-burning machines because the opposite of a fat-burning machine is a fat-storing machine. And nobody (laughs) nobody wants to be a fat-storing machine. And I wanted to explain to people... It's not that complicated. It's, you don't need to go on to these gimmicky diets, um, paleo, day-off diet, wheat belly diet. Those are the fats. This is really just the information to get your body into fat-burning mode by understanding which are fat-burning foods and which are fat-storing foods. The miracle intervals, I had no idea were coming, and that came from Gail Bernhardt, who became my co-author, who said, look, athletes know that um, in order to train your body, you've got to do interval training. And she said athletes know to do accelerations of whether you're walking, jogging, or running, do 30 seconds a little bit faster, and then do three minutes of recovery. And what people do um, when they go to the gym is they exercise so hard that they don't actually burn fat. um, They actually burn their glycogen, and then they just have to replace it. And she said people lose the weight in the rest periods, not in the accelerations. And so when I had that last bit of information and it all clicked, I'm like, I'm going to write a book and I'm going to share this with people so they don't have to spend these ridiculous amounts of money going on fad diets. If you want to become a fat-burning machine, eat fat-burning foods, do miracle intervals, Mm -hmm. uh, 30 minutes uh, uh, a day, three days a week, and the weight will just come off like it did for me. And that's where the book came from.
1: And this is something that you think you can get your family on board with as well, that it's not going I, to be so insanely complicated or restrictive or critical uh, that the kids are going to actually be cooperative.
2: No, I did. it's so funny because um, the first person um, I actually tested this on was my mother, <laughs> who is older, but, you know, um, she had gained weight. And, and I really thought she had given up, and um, her mother had just passed away, and I could tell she was a little down, and I said, Mom, I want to make you beautiful again, and I know that being losing weight is really important to her, and I sent her a chapter of my book, and she called me, and she was so upset with me, and I said, What's wrong, Mom? She says, Well, how could you only send me one chapter? There's <laughs> the rest. And, and she went on, but then I did the same thing with my daughter, my teenage daughter, uh, who had gained a few extra pounds. And there's nothing restrictive about this diet because it's not gimmicky. It's, it's just common sense. It's, um, you know, we don't eat a bowl of pasta as our regular meal. We try to balance it out with, uh, with some vegetables and some, and, and some proteins because it's, it's a way of life. And um, in the book, you'll see that I talk about palate training, which is absolutely important when you're raising children, is to get them to enjoy the taste. Of vegetables, of proteins, and not just addicted to sugar.
1: Right, Mark, we're going to get to that in just a second. Talking with Mike Berland, who is the co author with Gail Bernhardt of Become a Fat Burning Machine, the 12 Week Diet, Lose the Belly and Sugar Cravings, Gain Energy. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about palate training and a lot more. I'm Armin Bront, and you're listening to Positive Parenting. I'm four years old, and I'm the only one in my whole class that can tie his own shoes. My mom took me to the circus for my birthday. Half my friends already went, but now I've gone too. Most kids make fun of me because I still believe in the tooth fairy. But I got five bucks yesterday, I believe. A third of the kids in my eighth grade class drink alcohol regularly.
0: Over 99% of my class has been offered illegal drugs. Half of my college classmates binge drink, abuse drugs, or do both but the frequent dinners I had with my family have helped make sure I'm not one of them. Go to casafamilyday.org, take the Family Day pledge, and get tips on how to talk to your kids about drugs and alcohol. Have dinner with them often, and you can significantly lower their risk of substance abuse. Dinner makes a difference. A message from the National Center on Addiction and Substance Abuse at Columbia University. I don't recycle. I mean, we can just find another planet for your kids to live on, you know? Noted
1: non-recycler Tommy Crenshaw talks about the future.
0: Oh, I can totally see finding another planet that can support life when ours fills up with trash. As an alternative to recycling? Yeah, an alternative. So we, like, don't have to do it. Recycling. There are lots of planets. Finding one is just a matter of time. Many people say that recycling is pretty simple and convenient. A matter of keeping select items out of the trash. A lot simpler than finding a new planet, Tommy. Come on, there's a bunch of planets out there. Would you recycle on this new planet, Tommy? Or just use it up and throw it away, too? I, I really don't have a clue.
1: Log on to yougottobekidding.org and learn about all the ways you
0: can recycle, unless you're into lame excuses like Tommy's. Hey, recycling's just not my thing. Starting over on a new planet? Now that's exciting. Don't be that guy, unless you want people looking at you funny. Log on to yougottabekidding.org.
1: Welcome back to Positive Parenting. If you're just joining us, talking with Mike Berland, who's the co author of Become a Fat Burning Machine, the 12 Week Diet. So you were just talking about palate training, which sounds like you'd be lifting up things with a forklift, but uh, not talking about that kind of palate, I guess.
2: Yeah, it's really, it, it's, um, palate training was a wonderful um, concept I learned from Dr. Laura Leskowitz who um, was actually the doctor who diagnosed me with um, metabolic syndrome. And she said, you know, Mike, one of the problems with raising our our children children today is that we're not teaching them to really enjoy the taste of vegetables and healthier foods, that we're teaching them to be, um, we're teaching their palate to be too sensitive to sugars and and the carbohydrates. And if you, from a young age, if you introduce, um, a wide variety of of, of of different foods to your children, they'll actually get the same sort of reaction from broccoli as they do uh, Dunkin' Donuts. It's scientifically a fact. Um, and you just have to have the right association. And so palate training um, is such an important part. And I realized that my wife had done that to our children, and I didn't even know, um, Marcella, my wife is from Argentina. And so uh, until the kids are, were uh, five, until they went to school, she was making them um, pureed vegetables at home. She never had baby food. She was always making them sort of Argentine food, and, and they absolutely loved it. And then they went to school, and they gave them a sandwich, and my kids didn't know how to eat it. They took the piece of bread off. They, they went to the meat. They'd never seen a sandwich before, and it was just proof that um, from a young age, you can teach children how to uh, uh, appreciate and to find great satisfaction with the types of foods that will keep them uh, uh, as healthy as possible.
1: That's a pretty impressive It was funny, thing.
2: though. They, the school was not happy that the kids didn't know how to eat a sandwich. They wondered what kind of house they'd been brought up in, but it was <laughs> a wonderful example.
1: All right. So tell us a little bit more about the the miracle Intervals, because I'm I'm intrigued by that. I do a lot of of interval training myself. A lot of uh, kind of intense, crazy workouts, I guess. And some of it is based on uh, this Tabata, which I'm sure you know about. Which is, depending on how how you want to look at it, it's like 20 seconds on and 10 seconds off, and you do that for four minutes, and then you take a little bit more of a break. Or sometimes it's 45 seconds on and 15 seconds off. But it, you know, it, but it's a repetitive thing. You were talking about doing something pretty hard for a little bit and then taking three minutes off. How does that work?
2: Well, I mean, I think, I mean, you're so right. First of all, Americans um, have a lot of misconceptions about exercise, actually work themselves into a sweat storm and don't exercise efficiently as they should. What we're talking about with Miracle intervals if you want to elevate your heart rate um, for, for 30 seconds at a time, and it doesn't matter if you're walking, jogging, or running, just elevate it. And then you have to let your heart rate drop and um and depending on how long it takes your heart rate to drop, obviously the more fit you are, you know your heart rate drops faster. Um, but we say exercise for three minutes uh, for thirty seconds hard and take a three minute uh, recovery and then go back and do the acceleration for thirty seconds again. If you do six to seven of those, which takes, you know, um, after a 10-minute warm-up takes about 20 minutes, so 30 minutes total, um, that's the maximum uh, exercise that you need to do to get your cells to open up to be able to process the food that you're eating. It will reduce your insulin resistance and make your body more adapted to using the energy you have stored rather than having to replenish it. And this is just new science. That's coming into mainstream, but athletes have known it for years.
1: All right. So let's talk a little bit about some of the foods, uh, the fat-burning foods and the fat-storing foods. I want to get back to that because you mentioned it a little bit about uh, carbs storing stuff up and sugar storing stuff up. Those are storage foods. So what are are burning foods?
2: Uh, Burning foods are typically uh, proteins, like uh, uh, my favorite one is obviously chicken breast. Uh, um, I I, I eat quite a bit, but I also eat um, uh, quite a bit of fish. I eat uh, uh, shrimp I like, um, vegetables, particularly leafy vegetables, and um, good fats. Like this idea that you should have a low-fat diet is, is, again, another one of those uh, myths. So uh, uh, butter, for instance, or mayonnaise, you know, don't eat a stick of butter, but those are also um, fat-burning foods. And the idea is that you wanna get you wanna use the um, eat the food that your body can burn rather than store.
1: Right. And so here's the the tricky part. <clears throat> your kids grew up and they, they didn't know how to eat a sandwich, which I guess yeah. is a is a good thing. But you know, how do you manage to get kids to pay attention to this sort of stuff when they're not at home? I mean I could see having certain kinds of foods at home or, or enforcing certain types of exercise routines uh, you know when you're with your kids, but how do you get them to want to make it a part of their life?
2: What, 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 what I have found in my own experience, and look, Mike, I've, I have a, a, a son who doesn't have to worry about these issues at all, and I have a daughter who struggles with it. And it's for for, um, for Isabella, is my daughter, it's really been about education, and 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 to Isabella, when you eat an egg white omelet for breakfast with a little bit of cheese and vegetables and a piece of whole wheat toast, you're going to get started on a really great day and you're not going to be hungry all day and and you're going to feel healthier. You're going to have more energy. You're going to be more alert. When you start your day with a bagel with cream cheese, you're going to spike your insulin and you're going to have highs and lows and you're going to have real challenges eating. And uh, I know that it's very hard, but you have to just, um, educate children that the food that you eat has a consequence in your day. And as the kids are younger uh, and you have a little bit more control over what they eat, you can, you can serve it to them. And when they get older and they can make more choices for themselves, you have to educate uh, them. But children, as, as we all know, are pretty flexible and adaptable. And um, it's really working with them. Um, and, and and demonstrating through example uh, the types of foods. Um, the worst thing that can happen, I don't know if you did this as a kid, um, I was always late for school and I would skip breakfast. And that's the worst thing that you can do because you're actually creating uh, a situation for the rest of the day where you're going to start to have sugar cravings, you're going to have un, un, uneven energy levels. We want to teach our children to eat five or six times a day to eat snacks. We just don't want them to eat, uh, you know, M&M's and and Slurpees.
1: Well, you know, there's also this thing about water, which I've become a big big proponent of drinking a lot of water. I had some kidney issue, and that's what the doctors were advising. And I, I realized that I would go, before I started doing this, I would go like the entire day without drinking anything. And a number of nutritionists and, and medical people have, have said, look, part of the reason why people start stuffing their faces is because they're thirsty and they confuse right. the feeling. And so if you, if you drink a lot of water during the day, you probably will reduce the amount of cravings and food that you're going to consume.
2: That, that's exactly You know that, um, uh, yeah, I don't know if you know the other, people also confuse uh, sex and, um, and sleepiness. All those four things can get confused. And you could be tired and you think you're hungry, you know, and, and you and, and you could be thirsty and you think you're sleepy. You're you're exactly right. You've got to um, be a little bit more proactive in understanding what is the, um, what are you feeling and what's the best way to satisfy it.
1: Sum this up for us. If you're, you're a parent, you've got, you're perhaps struggling with your own weight. You've got a kid who seems to be struggling. Uh, what do you do? What's your first step?
2: Uh, first of all, keep it. The first step is to keep it really simple. And if you only take away one thing from our discussion, there are foods that are designed to, that are fat-burning and there are foods that are fat-storing. And try to stick on the fat-burning ones. If you do that, you'll flip the switch and your body will start to work more efficiently and you'll be able to manage your, your weight. And what that will ultimately do is give you control of your weight. And that's all we can do for our children is to help them control their weight so that they can live a healthy uh, life. Becoming a fat-burning machine is a way to just think about um, and and, and keep that idea. Don't get lost uh, in the gimmicks. And then the the last thing to remember is having uh, some regular exercise is absolutely critical But we don't need to work ourselves into a sweat storm.
1: Mike Berland, co author with Gail Bernhardt of Become a Fat Burning Machine The 12 Week Diet. Mike, thanks so much for joining us. Great to have you.
2: Thank you very much.
1: Welcome back to Positive Parenting. I'm Armand Brat, and it's time for a Parents at Play toy segment. You know, art and childhood just seem to go together, don't they? But who says adults can't roll up their sleeves and get creative? Well, this week we're going to be taking a look at a number of different ways to express your creativity. Some are traditional, and some are not quite so traditional. Art and school supplies from Ubi. Ubi, which is why O-O-B-I doesn't have as many colors as Crayola, but they're well on their way with a strong product line that includes markers and paints and crayons, brushes, pencils, highlighters, and many other ways to transform every surface in your world into an expression of your creativity. The company also goes well beyond art, though. They produce a lot of office supplies as well, including staplers, tape dispensers, notebooks, rulers, binders, folders, and a ton more. But What's consistent across all of UB's products is that they're high quality, vibrant, and stylish. UB also gives back. For every product you buy, the company donates a similar one to a classroom in need right here in the United States. Prices vary, and you can check them out at UB.com. Socks and a lot more from Pair of Thieves. Now, you could take your art with you everywhere you go with these bright, whimsical cotton blend socks that are eye-catching, comfortable enough to wear to work or the gym, and cool in the hipster sense, but also in the sense that they're breathable and moisture-wicking, which makes your feet literally cooler. A pair of thieves also has dozens of wild designs in a variety of sizes from toddler to dad, plus they've got a really adorable dad-kid matching set. Oh, and let's not forget about the style and underwear. That's just as cool in both senses of the word as the socks. They're eight bucks a pair for the kid socks, ten bucks a pair for the dad socks, sixteen a pair for the dad-kid sets, and twenty dollars a pair for the underwear. They're available at Target or at pairofthieves.com. Universal Circus, and that's Universal with S-O-U-L at the end of it. This circus is an absolute joy for a number of reasons. First, the dazzling array of colors make it truly a work of art, which is the theme of this week's segment. Second, the performers elevate the art of circus to new heights. Third, everything takes place in a single ring, and the seats are so close that the audience members feel like they're part of the action. But back to the artists and the performers, who hail from all around the world. There were limbo dancers from Trinidad and Tobago, acrobats and contortionists from Ethiopia, trapeze masters from China, death-defying daredevils from Ecuador, and a magic act from the U.S., and a lot more. There was also plenty of African-American culture to go around. The circus performers kept the audience entertained and on the edge of their seats for the entire two-and-a-half-hour performance. The show is for all ages, and the tickets range from 18 bucks to 35 bucks. Check their website to see when Universal is coming to your town you can do that at UniversalCircus.com. We'll be back next week with another Parents at Play segment or an Ask Mr. Dad segment. But, you know, you don't have to wait that long because you can visit each of those websites, ParentsAtPlay.com, for reviews and all sorts of descriptions of wonderful toys and games and activities to do with your kids. And Ask Mr. Dad for those Ask Mr. Dad segments. That's Dad.com. Until then, I'm Armin
0: Braat.